Well, again, good morning. Glad that you are here with us. Uh, I'm glad to be back with all of you as well. I had actually taken over the summer a couple months uh, to go on a sabbatical, take some time to uh, get recharged, refreshed, and uh, my wife and I and our family, we kind of traveled a little bit. Uh, And it was really, really good, and we went to some different places. But one thing is I missed our church when I was gone. And uh, we just had an amazing church here full of just... Uh, wonderful people, and God's given us this incredible mission, and it just creates this wonderful culture and congregation and body of believers that we have here that really, really is truly special. So I'm just glad to be back, and today we're going to kind of finish off this series that we've been in the last couple weeks called Families are messy. And so hopefully, as maybe you've sat through some of these uh, different uh, sermons and thought about, you know, your family, where you're at, that God has given you a couple really good nuggets of uh, wisdom and also just encouraged you to uh, live life differently than maybe we have before. I know I've got a lot out of it. So we're going to kind of cap it off um, today, and we're going to finish this. So Let me ask you this question just as we dive in. Have you ever felt guilty about something before? Ever felt guilty? Maybe it was that time that you stole a chocolate bar when you were a kid. You stole the pencil from the librarian. Maybe it was that time that you forgot your wife and your anniversary. Or maybe like me that one time I forgot it was Valentine's Day and uh, Chantel uh, had woken up, didn't say anything. We were probably like one year into marriage. She got in the shower and it dawned on me. And so I ran to Yolks really quick and grabbed like the last bargain bouquet of carnations they had. A few little, a little droopy, but it was, I thought it was all gonna work out. <laughs> Guess I don't need to tell the rest of the story because you know what happened. It didn't end well. But, you know, I remember when I was a kid, too, that uh, I would do something really bad when I was really young, you know, like say a bad word or like steal an extra cookie we're not supposed to. And I remember just feeling like a pit in my stomach. Like, I just don't want to, you know, uh, disappoint my parents, you know, when you're like three, four, five. And I see that in my son, Grant, now, too, that he'll do something he's not supposed to, and you'll either go confront him or maybe even before you confront him, he just starts crying and he's so sad that he did something. And there's just this feeling of discontentment in this pit that just little children don't want. They just want to stay whole and pure and be in a right relationship with their parents. And he'll come jump in my arms and I'll give him a big hug and it's so hard to punish him after that. And, but they don't like the guilt in the, in the pit that's there. And then we kind of grow up, right? And we get older and we form habits, and we form some attitudes, and we form, you know, a little bit different worldview of things of how, you know, we deal with maybe guilt, or we deal with things that we did that were kind of in the past. And we kind of learn some of these things and habits that sometimes aren't even healthy of how we deal with the past. So the big question of today, and what we're going to look at this morning is how do you deal with your past? How do you deal with your past? And we're going to look at one of the greatest stories in the Old Testament of the the man Joseph and how he dealt and how his family dealt with this. And they had an extremely messy family. So maybe as we've been going through this series, you've been thinking about how messy your family is. I mean, the family of Jacob 
and Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. The family of Jacob was just extremely, extremely messy. And we all have a past. We all have some mess. But I bet you, Jacob, his family tops what you have. But we, let's compare apples to apples, all right? So Jacob, when he was younger, he had tricked his brother into stealing the, his whole uh, birthright, so the whole inheritance. He kind of stole it and ran away. And then Jacob, through this horrible situation, he ended up marrying two sisters. And then their kids had intense sibling rivalry. One of Jacob's daughters was raped by a man who wanted to marry her. And then two of Jacob's sons ended up going and murdering that man's entire uh, uh, town of men, essentially. And then uh, one of Jacob's oldest sons, uh, he couldn't resist his own sexual desires, so he slept with one of Jacob's wives who was the mother of some of his brothers. Starts to get a little weird, huh? Jacob favored one of his sons, Joseph, and his other brothers didn't really like this, so they plotted to kill him, decided not to kill him, and they sold him into slavery so they could kind of make a dollar or two off of it. And then that's kind of where we pick this story up, is now Joseph gets sold away. Pretty messy family, right? Like there's... There's a lot of struggle here, a lot of convoluted, a lot of uh, weird mess going on that can be hard to figure out. And we're going to focus more in on Joseph and what happened to him and his brothers and looking at how do we deal with our past. So there's this incredibly messy family. Joseph, he had been trying to follow God. He'd been trying to obey God. He'd been trying to obey his fathers, but his brothers had it out for him. They kind of turned their back on him, sell him into slavery. And Joseph then ends up in Egypt as a slave. And through his good work, through what he had done, is he kind of gets promoted. And then uh, he gets thrown into prison because a woman in the palace wanted to sleep with Joseph. And he had said no, she got mad, so she blackmailed him. And now he's in prison, probably like sulking in all his sorrows. He kind of fights through it, and he really still tries to obey God and do the right thing. Pharaoh notices Joseph's behavior, so he promotes him. And Joseph ends up becoming like one of the, the rulers, the governors over Egypt. And then God gives Joseph this, this uh, word that there's going to be this really intense famine over the, the land and that Egypt needs to prepare for that. So Joseph, he tells Pharaoh and they prepare accordingly and they take all the proper precautions. And up until this point now where Joseph is a ruler, he had gone through a ton of struggle. It's been over 20 years so over 20 years of being a slave and being in prison and having highs and lows and probably wondering, like, why did my brothers beat me and sell me away? And there must have been so many points along the way where Joseph, he was probably upset, you know, sitting as a slave or sitting in, in prison, wondering, why did these cards get dealt to me? All the while, while his brothers are probably back home, living it up. And they're just acting like nothing ever happened. Oh, we beat Joseph, sold him into slavery. No big deal. We'll just kind of move on with our life and everything will end up working out fine. And his brothers, they had lied to their father, Jacob, of what had happened. And so it's just kind of like, well, let's just move on with life. Everyone will move on. They had no idea what happened to Joseph. Didn't care. It's behind us. The past is the past. Let's move on. So as you see this, who do you identify with in this story? Do you identify with Joseph? Or maybe as you sit here today 
And you think, why did I get some of these cards dealt to me the way that they've been dealt? Why, why did this have to happen in my family to me? Or maybe you left feeling kind of broken. Maybe you're left feeling betrayed. Maybe you're left feeling really angry or hurt. Maybe you identify with the brothers where you know, you know there's something in the past and you know it's back there and maybe you've tried to cover it up. Maybe you've even lied about it. Maybe you just tried to forget it, put it away. The past is the past. I don't need to deal with it anymore. Maybe you identify with a little bit of both where you know like, yeah, there's some hurts that I have and some things that have happened in our family and, and also identify with the brothers and I've done both. Like I'm kind of in both camps a little bit. Maybe, you know, something to do with an affair or a broken marriage or a hurt relationship or sexual abuse or uh, ethical business decisions that affected your family. I mean, the, the list could go on and on of things that could happen behind us that either leaves us feeling with a ton of pain, guilt, shame, or you just try and cover it up and move on with your life. And I look at my life, I look at my family, there's really tough things that we've had to work through that we're still working through. And it's complicated and it's hard and it's not easy to do. So how do you deal with your past? We all have a past. How do you deal with it? What do you do? How can we learn from this story of Joseph and his brothers? How do you deal with your past? First thing is, is don't cover it up. Don't cover it up. As we look at this story, the first thing that the brothers try to do is they lied about it to Jacob. And they, they had uh, just said that like, oh, Joseph got killed by a wild animal or something. They covered it up. First thing not to do how to deal with your past is don't cover it up. You may think that it'll all just go away. Your guilt will go away. Your pain will go away. Sorrows will go away. The past is the past. There's no reason to go back there. We'll just keep moving forward. I don't have to look at it. I don't have to see it. I don't have to touch it. Like, it's just somewhere down there. That's just not true. Guilt never goes away. Hurts not dealt with rarely go away. You might think that time will heal all wounds, but it's just really not the truth at all. We see this in this story too, where Joseph's brothers, they probably think that he's dead. They have no idea where he is. They have no idea that he had been promoted to a place of power in Egypt. And the famine had hit pretty hard on the land. So Jacob sends uh, all his sons, except one, to go to Egypt to try and buy grain and trade some stuff. And Joseph was the guy that you would deal with. And so they go, they end up coming before Joseph. They don't recognize Joseph. They don't know who he is, but Joseph knows who they are. And it's like this weird little thing that happens and Joseph is kind of mad. And so he speaks really harshly to his brothers. He calls them spies and that you're trying to you know, wreck Egypt. And so he makes them jump through some hoops to prove who they are, even though he knows who they are. He tells them that they have to go back and get their youngest brother and bring him back to Egypt. And one of the brothers has to stay in prison while they do that in order to prove who they really are. We see that, that, that Joseph, he's still angry about this. This is still a real deal. And then we see the brother's heart, that what had happened over 20 years had gone by. And we see this in Genesis 42 as they pick up and they're like, 
What, why is he calling us spies? Why is all this happening to us? Why is there a famine? Why is this? Why is that? And this is what we see. The brothers say, clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw him in his anguish when he pleaded for his life. But we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in trouble. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, Reuben asked, which was one of the brothers. But you wouldn't listen, and now we have to answer for his blood. They didn't realize that Joseph could understand them because he had an interpreter. And then it says, Joseph turned away from them and he began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again and he had Simeon taken and bound before their eyes. You see, as we see this guilt and shame in the past never left anyone. It never left them. Their brothers still had this for 20 years. This thing that had happened in their family, it's still been with them for 20 years. They're still dealing with that. And Joseph is still dealing with the pain. Here in this story, everyone had kind of covered it up. Joseph's lying about who he is to his brothers. They've covered it up for 20 years, but the brothers are still left with the sin and Joseph is still left weeping. And a lot of times we cover things up too. We hide them. We put them in the dark. We don't want to talk about them. You know, why do we want to work through them? Like if we just leave them there, they'll just kind of stay the same. Nothing has to get any worse. And when you put something nasty away like that, things that have happened in our past, things that as you look back on and you think like, yeah, there's something there. When we put nasty things away, it's like an old glass of milk that you've left under your bed for too long. It starts to just get nasty and it starts to get gross. And usually what happens is it, it grows over time. It doesn't stay the same. Usually what's hidden in the dark does not stay the same, but it grows. So let me show you guys something. You, does anyone know what the, the drink, uh, let me pull it out here. This right here is a drink called kombucha. Anyone know what this is? Or you drink this at the store? This is how it starts. When you pick that up at, at you know, Huckleberry's organic section, it starts like this. And what this is, is what you do is you start with uh, some sweet tea. Sounds tasty, huh? You start with some sweet tea, but then what you do is you add in some old kombucha, and then you put a lid on it, and you put it away. And then over time, it grows, and it gets kind of nasty, and it kind of just fills up with this uh, culture of like yeast and other weird stuff, and it just looks gross, doesn't it? But this is really what happens to our own life when we put things away. When we put things away and we put a lid on it and we put it in the closet and we put it in the, in the cabinet and we just say that it's not there, usually it grows. Usually over time it gets worse. Over time it, it kind of develops this layer, this puck. And in here there's like this layer, it's called a scoby. And in here there's this layer of junk that this is hard layer, and it, and it kind of separates like, what's really happening underneath. And in our life, as we do that, we create this layer between who we really say we are and really what's happening underneath. And a lot of times that layer gets in the way of our relationship with people. A lot of times that layer gets in the way of our relationship with God. A lot of times that layer, um, it manifests in different ways in our life. It can come out in anger, 
It could come out in anxiety or in fear. This layer could come out and and manifest in how you relate with people. It could come out in needing intense levels of control. It could come out in in feeling like you need to uh, always have a substance or a certain feeling in your life. What this does is when you put things away, they grow, they get worse. And then in the end, you're left 20 years down the road, you could be like the brothers, and you're just left with a large jar of kombucha in your lap. (laughs) That's what happens. When we cover things up, when we hide them, we put them in the dark, we don't talk about them, we don't work through them. Put something nasty there, it is going to grow. The guilt grows, the shame grows, the pain grows, and it shapes our outlook on life. And it creates that layer between us and people and God And you could just go your whole life not wanting to deal with something and end up with this emotional, mold, pain, kubacha right in your lap. And what more would the enemy want than this to happen in your life? Because if you're a Christian, he's lost you forever. He's lost you forever. So then what more can he do except create this nasty culture in your life? Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the ones who confess and renounce them finds mercy. How do you deal with your past? This is one way right here. And many people do this. I've done this in my life. Things in our family has happened like this. Many people end up just putting it away, shoving it away. But there is another way to deal with things. You don't have to deal with your past like this. You could deal with your past differently. There is something that brings light into that darkness. And then something that has power from the Lord. Power that can, that can change your life. Power that can heal you. Power that can make you whole again. And that power comes through forgiveness. Real, true, honest, open, Godly forgiveness. There's power in that. There is real power when a family comes together, when people come together, a a daughter and a mother or 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 two siblings or cousins or even friends, you know, family. When people come together and they want real, true forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God forgave you. When Jesus died, in spite of all our sin, in spite of all of who we were, he still forgave us. And that forgiveness created freedom from sin. That forgiveness created freedom from shame, freedom from guilt in our life. There's power in that that Jesus gives us when we walk into that forgiveness that he offers. But then he says, go and turn and give that to other people. Give forgiveness as he's forgiven you. So when we forgive others and we walk into forgiveness, what we're doing is we are opening the door for other people to walk through in freedom in their life. And that is a powerful thing when you say, I'm going to open the door for someone else to release their guilt and their shame if we enter into forgiveness together because there is freedom there. And real forgiveness is more than just a business exchange. Or two people sitting down and logistically just saying the right things in order to move on. Sometimes that, that's fine, and that's, that's what, that is what's needed. 
But many times it's not. It's more than just when a, a, a husband and a wife get together and you've had an argument and you just got to say the right thing so your wife won't be mad at you anymore. So you just got to, I'm sorry I do this. You got to get out of Dodge quickly and like move on. So you say the things that's going to make your wife happy and, so, and then you just move on with it. Or like when a, a, a parent tells a child to go, you know, apologize to their sister. You know, like, Jimmy, go apologize to Sally. And then Jimmy goes, sorry, Sally, that I hurt you and you weren't tough enough. <laughs> like there, there's, and then we grow those patterns over life too. And real forgiveness, real, true, open, honest forgiveness is more than just the saying the right words. There has to be something deeper than I just said the right thing that really what we see in scripture and what we're gonna see in this story between Joseph and his brothers, that there is a heart exchange. That there's a heart exchange that it's, and it starts with confession. It starts with naming what happened. If you want someone to really forgive you openly, honestly, it starts with naming what happened, saying, this is what I did. One, two, three, X, Y, Z, these things right here is what happened, and this is what I did. Will you enter into forgiveness with me? It starts with confession. The Bible says those who conceal it, they don't prosper, but those who confess, that's where you will find the Lord's favor and mercy in other people's as well. It's gonna start with confession, and that can be really, really hard, but that's where it starts, and then you move to repentance. Repentance is, is changing from one direction to another. It's, it's a, a complete 180 degrees, saying that, you know, these are the things that I did, and I will move in a completely different direction from them. That I, I've been going down this road of just hiding and concealing. I'm now going to completely move in the other direction of openness and honesty. I'm not going to do that anymore. That I've been living a lie. I've been hiding things. I'm not going to do that. This is what I'm gonna do in a different direction. I've been trying to do it on my own and now I'm gonna try and get help from, from people and maybe someone, a professional who could help me. Repentance is not just saying the right words, but it's choosing to live your life differently and do something different than you hadn't done before. And when that happens, when confession and repentance happens, if you want someone to really forgive you, you have to enter into that process. That, that's where you get this heart exchange. And it might, it might be hard because you might open up some pain. You might open up some wounds. You might open up some things that are ugly. And you might feel like you're taking a step backwards if you were to do that. But sometimes that step backwards is a necessary step in order that you might be able to move forwards multiple steps in your relationships, in your family, and friends. Real, open, deep forgiveness can happen if people are willing to come together like that. Do you want real heart change in your life and in your family, in your kids, in your siblings, in your parents, grandparents, cousins, friends, acquaintances, whatever? that there's power in forgiveness if you're willing to walk through it. And then you can see the effect of that. that forgiveness, there's freedom that comes with that. Freedom that you don't have to hold on to anger anymore. If you're able to release that, you don't have to hold on to anger and, 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 and you don't have to hold on to guilt or shame and all those things that, that 
Forgiveness gives, it softens hearts, it restores people's lives. When we forgive and we confess and we repent, we give freedom to, our, to other people to walk through. And as we look back in this story, we see this kind of play out. Where Joseph's brothers, they had jumped through all the hoops that Joseph kept laying out there for them to do. And they had brought their brother back and the whole thing. And he kept doing stuff. And it got like to this tipping point where Joseph, he's just done hiding from them. And he's just done with the lie. He's done lying to them and, and not showing who, what's really going on underneath. And he just says, get everyone out of the palace except these guys here. And so everyone leaves except him. And Joseph is just weeping. He's so sad. He's so fed up with this. And he finally reveals himself to his brothers that I'm Joseph, the one that you sold into slavery. And his brothers are terrified. Terrified because Joseph could have done whatever he wanted to them. He could have had them thrown in prison. He could have had them killed. He could have had them uh, 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 had been slaves. And his brothers are just like, oh my gosh, what just happened? This, after 20 years, just a big old jar of kumbacha is in front of me now. It finally came out of the closet, and here it is. Brothers are just terrified. But what Joseph does is he opens up this door of forgiveness. And what we see is a picture of real, open, true embrace. And we see this in Genesis 45, 14. It says, then he threw his arms around his brothers, Benjamin, and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. Different picture than just a quick handshake moving on, right? And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And afterwards, his brothers talked freely with him. That we see this picture of it. It wasn't just like a say the right words. We see this picture of a real heart exchange happening. Pain that had finally been released and laid down. And after 22 years, brothers could finally talk freely with one another again. With nothing in the way, no, no layer of junk in the way of their, of their relationship. Who is God putting on your heart right now? What situation is God putting on your heart right now? It's tough to think back and how you deal with your past. Who is that? What is that? When was that? What is God putting on your heart? This could be scary because you don't know the outcome. If you go confess or you go ask for forgiveness or all you know is that, well, if I just leave it how it is, we'll just kind of stay the same. Well, that's just not true. It's not true. Sometimes you gotta be able to risk, maybe bet the farm if you really want your relationship, your family, to look like the way that God's giving you a picture for it, that it could be different. Sometimes you just have to make a choice that, you, that this will no longer define you. Like Joseph was just, I'm so done with this. I'm just gonna, I'm so done with just hiding what's really happening, hiding who I really am. Sometimes you just have to make a choice that says, this is no longer gonna define me. This is no longer gonna control my life. And you may not be able to enter into that deep forgiveness because maybe the other person isn't even willing to. They don't even want to. And maybe then this could lead you down a road of really seeking God and really trying to get the courage and the, and, and, and 
the ability to forgive even without another person doing their part. But it's gotta start by naming what happened in the past. You gotta start there. That if you ever really wanna make peace with the past, in the words of a pastor called Andy Stanley, he says, if you really wanna make peace with the past, you're gonna have to own your peace of the past. It's gonna start by confession. And God will start working through that. And it's not easy, but God will bring light into that. Your pain, a lot of times, is just a reminder of how desperately we need Jesus. How desperately we need him to restore us and to make us whole again. And it can be really easy to think of where is God in the midst of this whole family mess of the past mistakes? Where is God in, in all of this? But there is amazing news that we find in this story and all throughout the Bible. That there is hope for everyone, no matter where you're at, no matter where your family mess is, no matter where your struggle is, that there is hope for everyone. Because you might feel like right now, like just giving up, throwing in the towel. Feel like the mess has got too crazy. Feel like I can never go back there. That's too intense. That's too hard. It's not worth it. You may feel like it, you know, it would just be too big of a deal with the past. You may feel like you just want to quit. But the really good news is that God never quits. God never quits. When we see this in the story where Joseph's brothers, they still feel like a little bit scared because they're wondering, if, if, is Joseph going to hold a grudge for the rest of his life for all these things that have happened? And Joseph really reassures them in this way where he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good because God never quits. You might feel like that your stuff in the past is too big for anyone to deal with, for, to ever get resolved, to ever get over, but God never quits. What was intended for harm, God will intend for good, to accomplish good things, because God never quits. He's still on your side. The things that you've done to others, the sins in your past, what maybe has been being covered up, God intended to use for His glory you may not be able to see it right now, but God never quits. Just because you think that your marriage will never get better, God never quits. Just because you think your relationship with your dad is over, God never quits. Just because you think that your kids will never forgive you, ever move on, God never quits. Just because you think that your sins are too big for anyone to bear, God can handle it because he never quits. What you thought might define you for the rest of your life, God would say, I have been working here for years. What you've been hiding for 20, I've been working for 20. I've been working ahead to lead up to this moment right now. You, don't, you might not see it in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the struggle, but it's right over on the horizon, and it's right just up ahead. Because when you've been thinking of quitting, I've been working all along. And that's what our God does for us. That's what the hope that we find in who Jesus is, is that he never quits. Now I was thinking about this in spite, you know, the bigger scale, in spite of all that we do collectively as a world the intense amounts of evil, the sin that's in our own lives, 
that Jesus still came and died for us and loved us in the midst of all of that, in the midst of your family pain, that he still died for you. He still died in, 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 in place of so many evil people. Thinking of that song earlier about the blood of Jesus, how it makes us whole again. Many of the lives in the room today, good people, you know, there's things in the past. Many of our lives have become fractured. Our families have been fractured and torn a little bit through a whole host of things, infidelity, divorce, sexual abuse, abandonment, substance abuse, jealousy. I mean, the list can just go on and on and on. All of this, even though this all happened collectively to us, God has still intended that for the good of his kingdom and that he still died for us. He still offers forgiveness. And in return, he says, offer other people forgiveness. And he still gives hope to find complete wholeness. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna sing this, this song again about what can make us whole again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And for some of us in the room today, we're gonna have to make a choice to do something different. For some of us in the room today, you know that you've, you've just haven't dealt with anything and it's time to deal with something. It's time to make a difference and make a choice. And it can be easy to sing this song and think that God, the, the blood of Jesus, because he died on the cross, it washes away all our problems. And we all know that's not true. It doesn't wash away all our problems. The blood of Jesus is much more than that. The blood of Jesus doesn't just wash away your problems in your life, but the blood of Jesus drives us to forgive like he forgave. The blood of Jesus beckons us to the cross when we experience pain. The blood of Jesus commands us to love other people. The blood of Jesus is what makes us whole again. The blood of Jesus is what heals us. The blood of Jesus gives us a hope and a reason to live. There's nothing more precious than it. There's nothing else worth living for or worth dying for but the blood of Jesus. It's because of what Jesus looked at, all the sin that had happened in the world, and still forgives us. And so today as we sing this, it's much more of, God, I want to make a choice that, that what you've done for me calls me into a deeper relationship with you. And it calls me to make a choice to move in a different direction, that I'm not just going to keep hiding something. I'm not just going to keep letting that linger and grow. But the blood of Jesus, what you've done to me, it calls me and drives me to forgive other people. It calls me and drives me to, to enter into the mess of the family. That's what the blood of Jesus does. So when we sing this song one more time, let's make a choice of what the blood is going to do for us what Jesus has done for us. It's not about it just washed away my problems. It's about it's what makes me whole and it's what makes our families whole again. That's what the blood of Jesus is for. It's what makes our communities whole and our world whole again. It should drive us to do something greater in ourselves and our family than just stuffing stuff away and letting it rot and grow over time. That's what the blood of Jesus does. Because what you intended to harm people, God intended for good. What people intended to harm you, God intended for good.
So wherever you're at, let's pray, and then we're going to sing this. We're going to make this a choice to deal with our past. God, we just love you and thank you. Lord, and we just offer this up today. God, would you speak to us? Show us where we need your help. God, we pray that your love for us, what you've done for us by forgiving us, God, it would beckon us to you and drive us to forgive other people and enter in to a deeper relationship with others. We love you and thank you. pray this in your name. Let's sing together.
as we close out the series. It's vitally important that the thing you take away more than anything else is that we're all messy, that we've looked at patriarchs whose lives and families had all kinds of mess in it, and God used them still. And none of us, none of us in this room can say, I'm disqualified, that God is through with me, that my life is too messed up, that God is not through with you yet. God wants to work in you. God wants to work through you because he doesn't need perfect people to do that with or perfect families for that matter. But he calls us to that place to be healed, to be forgiven. And even as we walk with a limp, that God's spirit goes with us. We're turning a corner next week. We're going to start a new series, um, totally different than this series. It's called Be Rich. And God has given us so much as people that he loves. And he wants us to be rich towards our community, to be rich in good deeds, and to be rich in, in generosity and sharing with our city and our community. And we're going to do just that. So if you know anyone that loves our community, make sure and bring them here next week to the kickoff of that new series. If you're new here today, I'd love to meet you. I'll be over here underneath the monitor um, for our first connect. And uh, there'll be people up here to pray with you if something uh, touched a chord in you that needs some prayer, make sure and come up and get some prayer from some of our prayer team. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.